Hello, and welcome to the Conrad Life Report for Tuesday, August 11th, 2020. This is episode 50. Um, I think it's been two years since I started doing this, but I guess it, basically I've been doing them almost every other week. Sometimes I do them more often, sometimes I do them less often than that, but yeah, episode 50. It is currently late afternoon. Um, I'm sitting in my favorite chair by the window in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, and it's been, um, I guess, 10 days since the last episode, so not quite the mere one week between episodes I wanted to hit, but um, I think... 10 days is fine. And I guess the next one I'll try, I'll shoot for next weekend. But anyway, episode 50, uh, pretty, pretty cool that this has gone on that long. Um, I'm kind of happy that there's been a number of people that listen to it. I rarely check the stats and the stats I have are quite simple, but I do know that people are listening, which is pretty awesome. And it's just kind of interesting to have this cool little project that makes me feel like I'm communicating to people and also, um, and also it, it serves as a nice way to just gather my thoughts. And it, it has the same sort of mental um, effect that keeping a journal does too. It's you know yet another aspect of life logging. But um, I'm really happy to do this. And I, like I said, the next step is to start start up my, my website again, my blog. Uh, but I haven't done that yet. Maybe I will do that today. Um, but anyway, it is brutally hot outside. Uh, we're in technically, I guess it's a heat warning, um, in the midst of a 48 hour heat warn warning. And yeah, it's, it's very hot if you're in the sun. Um, and, but other than that, let's see what's going on in the neighborhood. Well, last week, the big news, um, last Wednesday was that I went into the office for the first time since March 5th, um, to clean out my desk because they are moving, well, first of all, our whole team has been remote ever since early March, as has most of the New York Post. Um, but they were already going to um, give up the lease on the floor that my team is on, which also includes, uh, it's not the newsroom, it's, it has like ad sales and sort of like, you know, the publisher's office and HR and that sort of stuff. And um, IT, I guess you would call it. Not IT, but it's more like an information it's technically information technology, but it's not IT. It's they they actually um do sort of um online um ops. Anyway, they're on that floor too, and so we were going to lose the lease on our floor. They were going to give up the floor and move us somewhere else. But since we've been remote, they're not really going to find us another place, at least for now. And so we had to go clean out our desks, and also the whole office company in general, including the newsroom, is going to a sort of hoteling um, situation where there will be socially distanced work areas as well as no one will have their own personal space anymore. I guess no one that doesn't have an office, which is most people. So I don't know how that's going to work. And however it ends up working, it's not going to start for a long time, we think, but they don't. we don't know because they haven't told us anything, which I think is kind of unusual. I feel like they don't want to say anything and and lock themselves in, but also who cares? No one will be upset if they say something and then do something different because everyone realizes this is an unusual situation. But anyway, we don't know anything. 
The rumors are we're not going to go back till next year, which is not a surprise to absolutely anyone in this country on earth. Um, but so the upshot is we had to clean out our desks and there are some people on our team who are out of the city. And so I don't know what they're going to do. They either may come back or um, the company will pack up their stuff for them, but um, they don't want to do that because that takes up time. And also um, that's kind of a hassle. Um, I'm guessing, but Anyway, I went in. It was my first subway ride since um, March 5th. And it's interesting. There was no like, okay, everyone start working from home. It was just, it slowly crept up. And in our meetings, they started to say, well, you can work from home if you want to starting this week. And people kept kind of coming in. And I remember that week I had a conference in Dumbo. And then I had already asked to take Friday, the March 6th off, not off, um, work from home because I had a gig that night at Littlefield and sound check was at five. So I wanted to already be in the neighborhood and get over there quickly. So March 5th was my last time on the subway and my last day in the office. And then until last week and riding the subway was interesting. First of all, I had to go the day before I went down to the Carroll street station and tried out all of these Metro cards that we randomly had. And I was deathly afraid of not, of avoid, I did not want to accidentally use a monthly <laughs> and trigger beginning one of those because I have two monthly cards in in my wallet that are unused, and I guess one day though we'll start using them again. But um, so I made sure I had some like just plain old you know value they call them not time but value, and um, then the next day because I did that the night before. The next day I went and took the subway, and I I purposely timed my um appointment, so to speak, at the office to be midday so that um, I would be riding the subway at, I guess, a sort of um, not rush hour time. And yeah, so everyone was wearing a mask. A couple of people had their masks so that their noses were exposed, which is stupid. But um, there was a lot of room on the subway. I did not feel unsafe, um, especially now considering the New York Times great interactive, visually interactive article about like how masks pre- prevent um, the circu- circulation of like personal air aerosols, but uh, it was it was interesting. And then when I came out of the subway at um, Rockefeller Center, the uh, the door to our building that you could enter from the subway station was closed, like kind of locked. So I went up into the street and I thought I would go for a walk. So I walked around Rockefeller Center over to the rink area and. I got to say, it felt great to be back in Midtown and I'd never thought I would say that. And I kind of missed it and I f- just felt <laughs> kind of emotional, not deeply emotional, but I just thought it's nice to be here and I missed it. And it's really weird. And also it's weird that almost no one else from my team is here. I'm just here by myself getting stuff and then leaving again. And um, so I walked around, I went uh, outside of the Lego store, they were giving away free little, like your choice of free tiny little Lego things. So I got one for Oliver and they said they were handing out cards that said Lego, welcome back. And that also made me emotional. I was like, oh man, it's like people are coming back to Midtown. Um, so I went up to the office. There were a grand total of, I think, five other people on the floor when I was there. There was um, the woman who's the head of operations who's running all of this. 
this like kind of program to get people out. <laughs> um, there was a woman from AdOps who sits near me. There was a guy from finance who sits around me. And then there was a sort of assistant to the ops person. And then another person I did not know who looked like she may have been doing ops related work as well. And that was it. And it took a little longer than I thought, even because I keep a pretty minimalist work area. So I didn't have a lot of stuff, but you end up looking through stuff that you want to throw out and then you realize you have to read it before you make a decision to throw it away or recycle it or take it with you. So it took a while, but um, I guess I was there about 90 minutes. I was hoping to take my my external monitor, but it is very heavy. It's a six-year-old Apple external monitor. I'm assuming they're much lighter now, but it was so heavy and it's wide and it didn't fit into a Ikea bag, you know, the blue one. So I just thought I'm just going to leave it and maybe they can get one to me somehow, or I can go pick one up at a later date, or who knows. But anyway, so I came back with a backpack full of stuff and an Ikea bag full of stuff. And I had some like books on my desk, and I took them around the corner to book off on 45th Street, and I sold them for a grand total of 10 bucks. Um, so that was my day in the office. And then I came home, and I was bombarded with questions from Julie about what it was like to ride the subway and go, well, she had gone on the subway actually the day before, but she was asking what it was like at the office. And then um, another part of this weird day was Oliver had a dental dentist appointment at, um, when was it? 5.30 that day. So uh, we had rented a zip car, even though, <laughs> even though his dentist is like a 15 minute walk away, but Julie wanted to drive and practice driving, but then it turns out she said, oh, I don't want to deal with parking. Can you drive? And I was like, ah, okay, fine. I like driving. So we get up there, I drop them off, and I decide I'm going to I'm gonna drive over to a brewery somewhere in Gowanus and pick up beer and kill time, like pick up like a four-pack or something for the fun of it. And then I get a call and they said, the dentist's office screwed up. It's in Manhattan. I'm like, oh, she's like, can you come get us? Do you want to, should we go to Manhattan right now or reschedule? And I was like, oh, let's just go. So I picked them up. We drove across the Manhattan Bridge, uh, dropped them off. It was like LaGuardia Place and Halston and Bleecker. And um, then I had an hour to kill. So I texted Krukoff, my friend Andrew Krukoff, and we met for a very quick beer. I had a half beer at Top Hops on Orchard Street. And it was great to see him. I had not seen him in person in five months. And we sat outside and had half a beer. He had a beer. I had a half beer. And then it was time to go get Oliver and... They, had, they were waiting for me outside Morgan Stern's ice cream and they were eating ice cream, very good ice cream. And uh, then we came home and that was that crazy day of going into, I went into Manhattan twice in one day after not really going into Manhattan for uh, five months. What a day. Um, neighborhood, what's going on around here? Well, mask compliance is still pretty good. It is very, very hot, as I said. Um, I have seen less... I've seen runner more runners are not wearing masks early in the morning, which I am not overly upset about personally because I do think that it's okay if people are running and no one's around them. Uh, I don't do it. I totally wear a mask because I don't even want to feel anxious and think about it. And also, I do think it's better to wear the mask. But, um, you know, it's like I was worried back in May about what mask compliance would be like in the dog days of August, and it's not that bad. It's very hot and people are wearing masks, so that's pretty good. And once things cool down a bit in September, um, I think we will remain very mask compliant here in Brooklyn. And I only say here in Brooklyn because that's all I know um, from anecdotal observation. But 
The mask compliance is good. Uh, let's see. Neighborhood restaurants. Uh, I saw my friend Jen Carlson post on Gothamist that she has not gone out to eat um, at an outdoor restaurant. And she was like, would you? Like had a little Twitter poll or whatever. And my question, my answer to that is I would not only because almost every outdoor restaurant I've seen is the seat that seats are far too close to each other. Um, I think I would eat at Lobo on Court Street because they only have two tables and they're not near each other. <laughs> um, I would eat at East One, which is at the corner of Court and Carroll because they really do have a lot of space between tables, but I just haven't felt like going and eating there. And it's also kind of expensive. It's very good food, but um, um, yeah, just haven't done it. You know, the only thing I've done that's been like, quote unquote, sit down is um, go to Bar Great Harry. And... Um, I only go there during the off hours, I guess, because it gets packed there too. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I get, it gets packed there. I, I would say it's still better than the rest of the restaurants on that sort of Bourbon Street stretch of Smith Street. But um, uh, I do go to Bar Great Harry when no one's there. Gabe, my friend Gabe and I went last night at like 5.30 and we almost had the place to ourselves. And so when you sit outside there and there's no one around you for 15, 20 feet, it feels okay. Um, I went to Three's Brewing over the weekend for a very quick beer at three o'clock on Sunday, um, just to see what that was like with the new with the yard being reopened. You now enter from Butler Street, and basically, I just wanted to go see it. So I, you know, I, I know the staff, so it was nice to see them. And I sat by myself and had one beer, and had a quick masked chat after I finished my beer with um, Emily from Three's, and uh, rode my bike home. So. And then the other thing is I went back to Wild East with my friend Pete to buy their beer, and their beer is so good. Wild East on Sackett between 3rd and 4th. Um, and really are spoiled for very good breweries in this part of Brooklyn, in this part of the world. Um, all right, what else is going on? The big debate with schools, and now they say that New York schools can reopen, and I don't know what to think about that, but we are leaning towards keeping Oliver remote because it's a combination of a, of a number of factors, first of which is obviously the health reasons. Um, the second of which is we now know that even remotely the teachers will be teachers from his school, which is very important to us because we love our school and we think it is a beautiful community and we want to be connected to it still that way. And then thirdly is just hearing a lot of stuff indirectly because they can't really speak publicly, although they are now, but so many of the teachers are, um, you know, they're not into this and I don't blame them. And, um, you know, I, I, if they really felt like they could do it safely and they wanted students there, I, we would obviously take that in consider, uh, into consideration. But, you know, if they're feeling weird and they're not offended and they're like, maybe everyone should stay be remote, well, that for me seems like, hey, well, sounds like we should be remote. This is just you know, an awful, unusual time. And I don't want to force anything back. And I I wonder what's going to happen when someone gets sick, whether it's a staffer, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a student. And, you know, I, I follow this woman, Liat, I guess. Uh, she's a science teacher somewhere here in Brooklyn on Twitter. And um, she's very anti opening the schools again. And you know, she pointed out that what happens when a kid gets sick and how are they going to pod them? And like, are they going to keep them in a sort of equivalent to a nurse's office? And she notes that very likely the people that will be tasked with 
watching these kids, meaning being in a room with these sick people, are going to be underpaid paras. You know, like uh, para nurses, para therapists, um, that those type of staffers at school, and just seems off. Something seems off about it all. Um, so, like I said, we're leaning towards remote. Maybe that will change, and maybe we'll. End up being find some circumstances or uncover some new information about our school that makes makes it seem okay to do partial in person. But for now, we're leaning remote. Um, but what a debate! Everything about schools is always such a <laughs> explosive topic topic to begin with, and now with this, just like wow. Um, oh, let's see what else can we talk about? College football um, is falling apart, which is fine. That's related. I'm only saying that because today they, I think the Big Ten announced that they were going to postpone, cancel or postpone all fall sports, which obviously means college football. Uh, I'm so on the fence of this. Well, first of all, I don't think they should play, but um, I'm on the fence because I like how many of these students, like the big name athletes are now taking this opportunity to fully unionize. They're now galvanized into action, but it just stinks that it has to be this <laughs> that's bringing them into action. And oddly, with Donald Trump, who's obviously such a dumbass, and um, he's like supporting college football because he it's that whole, you know, we're powering through and ignoring this stupid thing that he can't fix, he won't do anything about. Um, but it's odd now that Donald Trump and these athletes that are trying to unionize are technically on the same side. It, it's like, it's such a, coronavirus 2020 um, situation in microcosm that there's so many elements to it. There are clear black and white matters where one side is like, it's like, dude, wear a freaking mask. And then there are these gray matters, which is like, well, yes, these student athletes should be unionized. um, But why are they unionizing to do this? And the schools are possibly canceling because they want to maintain amateurism because if they allow unionization of the students, then they're technically have to, due to federal laws, like somehow legally um, identify them as employees. It's such a, there's so many um, factors at play. So the point is, I don't know what I hope. <laughs> the main thing I hope is that, is that, <laughs> well, for, I mean, I just want these Trump and the Republicans voted out because I, I think things will turn for the better, obviously. Um, with this and everything else, but with coronavirus, um, just control and coronavirus attention and action. But what's going to happen with college football? I don't know. Part of me thinks now the SEC will just like barrel ahead and, you know, that would be very on point culture war wise too. And politically, it's just like red states would, you know, move ahead and do this. But I do think there's going to be so many positive cases. Um, even with even with the coaches saying that like there's the kids are safer on teams than they than they would be in the in the general college student body i think that's probably barely technically true but you what about staffers what about people going home what about travel it's just it doesn't make sense um yeah there's they can say they can point to low test positive test rates while they've been very much keeping to themselves for the last three weeks, but what about when they actually start playing games and having to travel? Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to say. Um, crazy world. What else is going on? I guess that's it. Um, oh, we have another dead night coming up, another virtual dead night with fans.com slash relics slash, I'm, <laughs> that's kind of who handles it all, but 
uh, we we now branded it Dead Night DJ, like Dead Night DJ E A D Night. Um, but yeah, it'll be Thursday, August twentieth. Once again, it'll be me and Scott Devendorf from the National, my Threes Brewing Dead DJ partner buddy, and um, it'll be fun. So Thursday, August twentieth, uh, free. Obviously, um, wonder what I'll spend. Probably a good amount of August '93, which I love because I went to five dead shows um, in Oregon and San Francisco in August of '93, um, and they're good shows. I think 1993 is an underrated year, as my fellow Deadhead fans know. I, that's one of my strongly held opinions. Listening to audio, what have I listened to? Not much the last couple of weeks. Um, the usual podcasts, Web Chatham Report. Um, Listen to some Unwound because their bassist Vern Rule was it Vern Rule? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. But he died, and he is so awesome. And I had not listened to Unwound before; they were a blind spot for me. And they're freaking incredible. Jeez, I'm not really like tell, saying anything people don't already know. But listen to Unwound. I randomly listened to Kirsty McCall. Did I mention that last week? I've been listening to Kirsty McCall. And what else? Um, books. Uh, I've been reading short stories in John Updike's Rabbit uh, at Rest, which was has a 100-page novella sequel to the Rabbit books and then other short stories. Um, I included it in Judy, Julie's box of like, let's sell these books or give them away for free. I mean, and so I thought, okay, if someone's going to claim it, I want to read it. And they're great. I haven't read John Updike. I read Updike a lot in the late 90s, and then I haven't read him since, but he can write. Uh, he's a great writer, these gripping little short stories. Um and I bought Dune at Books Are Magic, and I finally started barreling into Dune. And it's great because I kind of know what happens because I read it, but I also, it's been so long since I read it that I don't remember at all what happens. <laughs> and it's such a great book. Dune is so, so great. And the, the current edition that's out right now is just beautiful, that big orange cover. Um, so I'm reading that. And the trigger was to like get in, read it again before the big movie comes out in December. Beer, uh, I think I'm about to run out of time here before I have to edit. I always try to avoid that. So what I've been drinking beer-wise, just I guess um, the main thing is Wild East, that new brewery on Sackett Street. has been really good. Um, and the usual Threes Brewing stuff, Imagined Reality, which is um, one of their new beers. It's very good. And I think I am going to wrap it up for episode 50 of the Conrad Life Report. Um, I was always thinking I might have a special guest or something for episode 50, but I guess not. It's only ever just been me. Um, I kind of like it that way. Um, All right, so it is 86 degrees. Um, It's late afternoon, sitting in my favorite chair in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. This has been the Conrad Life Report, episode 50. Stay safe, wear a mask, um, reach out and say hi, and um, talk to you soon. Bye.